Have you ever had a neighbor you just simply didn't get along with? Some in this situation might choose the avoidance technique, some might build a fence, and others may even choose to move. In today's case, we are going to be talking about a 10-year feud that went on between neighbors in Las Vegas. The troubles lasted many years until it ended with two murders and one lengthy prison sentence. What happened between these two neighbors that led to murder? Well, let's talk true crime. Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host, Lauren Lucio. In today's case, we're going to be looking at an extreme situation of neighbors who didn't get along. A few years ago, I had a neighbor who was not pleasant. She was nosy, so judgmental, and just not a nice person. Uh, I mean, she was a bit of a nightmare, but nothing like what I'm going to talk about today. I first heard of this case while I was visiting my family. I sat down to watch TV with my dad and this show called Fear Thy Neighbor came on. I had never heard of this show before. Uh, They only cover cases involving neighbors who fight. Uh, Not only do they fight, but they fight so much and they have so much hatred between them that one of them murders the other one and apparently this happens a lot because there's nine seasons of this show nine seasons I have linked the episode uh the one I'm going to talk about today I have linked that episode in my show notes as well as all the news articles that I read about this case so let's get into it It all started in 2009. Mildred Olivo, she was in her 60s. Uh, She had raised her kids and she was happily living her best life in Las Vegas, Nevada. She had moved there years earlier, sometime in the 90s. uh, And due to her charitable and kind heart, she had made lots of friends in the area. Uh, But this year, the year that I'm talking about, something changed. Mildred got new neighbors. An ambitious 26-year-old pastor named Andrew Coate and his family moved to the city of Sin. Um, I mean, not the first place I would expect a, a pastor to want to raise his children, but I guess he was up for a challenge. Mildred, she was described by friends as having a big heart. She would go out of her way to bring the less fortunate at the local shelters food, Um, Las Vegas gets very hot, so she was also known for bringing bottled water to people living rough. Uh, She just seemed to really care about her community. But this big heart of hers, it didn't mean she was a pushover. Oh no. She was also described by her friend as being, quote, a spunky, strong Puerto Rican woman, unquote. At first, Andrew and Mildred, they got along just fine. Everyone was friendly, you know, they met, everything was going good. But over time, bit by bit, Mildred and Andrew, they started to not get along. 
There were small things that set them apart at first, like Mildred would have friends over, they would all be having a good time in her backyard, maybe having a couple drinks, some food, you know, having some laughs, just enjoying each other's company. This wasn't something the pastor liked to see, I guess. Even though Mildred, she was warm and and welcoming and, and she invited Andrew and his family over one afternoon when she saw them also in their backyard. But he declined her offer. He then counter-offered her with an invitation to church in the morning. Now, he didn't like her response to his invite as you know, she declined his offer and he felt that she did it in a disrespectful way. Uh, I don't believe it was what she said, but more so he didn't like how she said it. And he was offended, essentially. The thing is, though, I, I think had he and his family gone over there, shared some food with Mildred, Mildred and her friends, um, I think she would have been maybe more receptive and open to his invite um but I don't know I mean if I were a pastor trying to get new members uh, to the church that's how I think I I would have played that card uh, plus he would have been meeting so many members of the community through her as she seemed to have a lot of friends and you know she had been living there a long time so I think he should have gone over there he should have met her friends and then offered them Uh, this invite to go to church in the morning and I think maybe it would have went over a little bit better so uh, so that seemed to be the first thing to kind of start to drive a wedge between them I guess you could say then there was these small incidents with Andrew's dog so he and his family they had a tiny one-year-old chihuahua very tiny chihuahuas are super tiny one day this dog escaped through Andrew's fence and went over to Mildred's this was great for Mildred she loved dogs um, and she seemed to really enjoy this little chihuahua so when it would escape and run over to her house she didn't complain she wasn't like hey keep your dog in your yard no just the opposite she enjoyed the dog's company she loved this little dog well Andrew he didn't like Mildred adoring his dog that escaped out of his yard, which is his responsibility. And they have a conversation about it. Then he fixes up his fence where this dog has been getting through. I mean, as a dog owner, I would also fix my fence to keep my my dog in, but I wouldn't get mad at my neighbor for keeping my dog safe if she ever escaped no way. I would I would actually buy them a bottle of wine and, you know, I would ask them to pet sit when I went out of town. I would really utilize that. That, that sounds like a great thing. Then one day, uh, the dog gets out again. Andrew wasn't there. He was gone somewhere. I don't know. The dog gets out. It goes missing. He goes over to Mildred's place and accuses her of stealing his dog or doing something with his dog, blames Mildred for the absence of his dog. She was offended at this accusation and tells him that she doesn't know where his dog is, hasn't seen his dog, just has no idea about his dog. And he doesn't believe her. Uh, Then he calls police on her, telling police she stole his dog. The police knock on Mildred's door and she's like, what the hell is going on here? And she protests her innocence and the cop has no choice to leave. There's no dog around. He can't see a dog. There's no dog in her house. There's no dog barking. Mildred then confronts 
Andrew because she's pissed off. She's pissed off that he's accusing her, calling the cops on her, saying that she stole his dog. And, you know, this is the first time that things kind of get a bit heated between the two of them. As far as I know, the dog never returns. And what happened to it remains a mystery. I never heard anything more about the dog after this. And I mean, someone please correct me if I'm wrong, send me a DM on Insta, but is there mountain lions or large birds of prey that could possibly be held responsible? I mean, it's a terrible thought. It's really sad that their family dog went missing. It really is. But I mean, Mildred and her friends, they all denied that she had anything to do with this unfortunate situation. After this, that's when things got uh, petty, I guess you could say. And Mildred really felt like Andrew was side-eyeing her and that he was being really judgmental of her and her friends. And I don't know, maybe he was thinking there was like unsavory things going on over there and she could just really feel this judgment come in her way. One day, Mildred went out into her backyard to hang out in her hot tub. So I read a few different, I read a few different things about this situation. One of them is she went out into her hot tub. Mind you, she was in her own backyard. She's in her 60s. She wants to soak in her tub, okay? And for some reason, Andrew was sitting in his backyard. And he must have been facing her backyard or watched her when she came out, which I think is a really odd thing for him to do if you ask me why he's watching her like that I don't know I find that strange but when Mildred came out to get in her hot tub Andrew commented on what she was or wasn't wearing telling her something like what she's doing is inappropriate and then it almost seemed like he conveyed his disgust so whether she was taking that as disgust with her body disgust with her I don't know uh, but it didn't go over well and then in another article I read about this exact situation it mentioned something about her tanning in her backyard, possibly nude, uh, but I'm not sure because the, the articles were, you know, uh, I had a couple different articles saying a couple different things about the situation. One was saying she was getting in her hot tub. It didn't mention what she was or was it wearing. And then another one did mention nude tanning in her backyard. Either way, it's her backyard. She can do what she wants, Okay. So this was, of course, very creepy to her. And it also made her mad that this man was watching her and telling her what to do in her own backyard. And yeah, that is that is strange. So soon after this, everything started to really unfold. Uh, for some reason, he then put up a flag that read, don't tread on me. And this this flag was in plain view of Mildred's home. This flag, it almost seemed like it. its intention was to be directed at her. So then Mildred, she puts up a six-foot wood fence. But the fence didn't stop Andrew from sitting in his backyard and listening to everything Mildred and her friends were doing. And she felt like he was listening to her and her friends all the time when they were out there. And they just really felt like he was looming behind this fence, kind of watching them and listening to them all the time. At that time, Mildred had a prescription for medical marijuana and she would smoke weed in her backyard. Well, he complains about it. Not only did he complain, but he even went to the police and the police told him, hey, look, it's medical. What she's doing is legal. She's in her own backyard. I mean, the law has no, no say in this. We can't do anything about this. Andrew then started calling the police when Mildred would have a barbecue or have friends over and he would put in a noise complaint. So again, police would go back over to Mildred's. He just... He, 
police, calling the police, calling the police. When they would arrive to this noise complaint, they would assess the situation, they would talk to Mildred, and they would see that it, it wasn't an excessive, an excessive noise level. And they would leave. There was nothing they could do. With the police visiting her home frequently because of Andrew, this eventually drove Mildred to confronting him. She basically told him, leave me alone. So I think it got a little bit more spicy than that. I think it was a little bit more heated than that. But essentially, she said, leave me alone. That's all she wanted. She wanted this nosy neighbor to keep his nose out of her business and just, you know, have his own life, stay in his own lane. And... um, she kept to herself it wasn't like she was doing anything to Andrew so I mean and also like why didn't Andrew just move I have no idea I think he did own that house like he had bought the house he was living in um and I mean I guess he just didn't want to sell and and leave I'm, I'm not really sure but nobody goes anywhere Okay. Then Andrew, he starts putting up cameras around his house. He gets like four security cameras. He puts them up all around his house. These cameras made Mildred uncomfortable, not because he had security cameras up, not because she was doing anything wrong, but because she believed they were pointed at her home. This felt very invasive to her privacy. And I did see a clip of actual footage from these cameras on that Fear Thy Neighbor episode. And they were very much pointed at and in Mildred's home. Mildred's daughter even uh, says in an interview that one of the cameras pointed into Mildred's bedroom. In my opinion, not only is that petty and weird, but it's very creepy. Mildred had put up a tall fence. You know, she put up this tall wooden fence for her privacy because he was complaining about her, whatever she's doing in her backyard. She puts up a fence so he doesn't have to see anything. That should have been the end of that. But no, he installs these cameras and they're pretty high up that uh, they, they point over the fence. So she puts up a fence and then he puts up cameras so he can see what's going on behind the fence. So now Mildred, she calls the police and she tells them about the cameras pointing towards her home. The police tell her there is nothing they can do about it. And this got me really interested on what the laws are with private residential security cameras. And of course, it's going to be different state to state laws, different state to state, country to country. But it seems like it's not a, a, a open and shut debate. Uh, from what I could find online. I found a post on avo.com, A-V-V-O.com. I have linked it in my show notes. When I Googled Las Vegas Laws 2015 private home security cameras, or Googled something like that, and someone had asked this exact question in a forum. Actually, it was so exact. It was basically Mildred's situation. I'll read it to you now. So somebody posted, quote, my neighbor has two bedroom windows on the second floor that have an interior security camera pointing directly at my home. One points at the driveway and front of my home. One points at my fenced in side yard patio area and front door. Both cameras have blinking red lights. I feel like I am being stalked. Is this allowed? Unquote. So this post was made in 2015 by a Las Vegas, Nevada residence. And underneath the question, an attorney answered. And he says this, quote, common problem. Yes, it's allowed. There's some creative ways to stop it, which I won't address in a public forum, unquote. 
So that got me even more interested. So I Googled a little bit further. I dug a little deeper and I found some creative suggestions online. Two of these suggestions were pointing a strong light in the direction of the cameras, like an outdoor light off your house. And another one was planting tall bushes and trees. So I'm not entirely sure what Mildred did, but I do know that something she she did allowed Andrew uh, to get a protective order. So I don't know if she maybe became a bit aggressive or, or what. Um, the details on this, they're not really made clear how this came about or what Andrew's complaints were against Mildred. Andrew did claim that Mildred had gone onto his property when he did not not invite her or, or permit her on his property. And then not only did he get the protective order against her, he then put up a sign that stated no trespassing or something that was like, do not come on this property, no trespassing, private property, something like that. And he put it right on the edge of his property facing her. According to Andrew, when Mildred saw the sign, she didn't like it. This made her angry and she destroyed it. I guess she had some coffee in her hand maybe and she just threw this coffee on the sign and then she ripped it up. That's according to Andrew. This is when the tit for tat mentality started to ramp up. Mildred made a type of flag. She made her own flag and her flag read Satan. And she hung it up somewhere on her house so that Andrew could see it. And she did that after she found religious pamphlets left on her porch. Now, we can't say for sure who left the pamphlets, um, but we can only guess who she thought it was. After this happened, Mildred found trash. Yeah, someone had thrown garbage into her lawn and she believed it was Andrew tossing it over the fence so she tossed it back over the fence Andrew then started utilizing the wood fence Mildred had put up and he was nailing things to it from his side of the fence and he also caused water damage to it so the fence had water damage I guess maybe it wasn't treated and yeah it was like warping and welting What I really don't understand is that if he wanted, if he didn't want to see what was going on in Mildred's yard and he wanted her to leave him alone, I guess, I mean, he got that protective order against her, then why would he cause damage to the one thing separating them? You get where I'm going with this? So with her fence being damaged, she decides to remove it. It's her fence. She can do what she wants with it. It's on her property. It's her fence. She bought it. She paid for everything. She got it put up. It's her fence. While removing it, Andrew complains that she's now causing damage to things on his side of the fence because he had things nailed into it. He had, I don't know, a garden bed set up on the other side. Whatever he had going on along the fence was being damaged with her removing the fence. But Mildred, she just keeps removing it. She's just ripping off the board. She's like, okay, we'll get rid of the fence. You're damaging my fence. You got cameras pointing over my fence. I have no privacy. I'm just going to remove it. Andrew again calls police on Mildred. But again, it doesn't go how he planned because... It's Mildred's property and she's on her property. He claims it's a violation of his protective order, but police tell him it's not. And then they leave. So now the fence is gone. And this leads to Andrew now, and this was really 
weird, okay? He now is like weirdly going outside when Mildred is in her yard and recording her with his cell phone. He's just standing around, not saying anything, pointing his phone at her. So weird. It's so, it's scary. I mean, I would be very concerned at this point because to me, and this is my own opinion, that feels like dangerous behavior. I mean, let's not forget, Andrew, he's in mid-30s by this point. Okay, so he is doing this to an elderly woman who lives alone. And this would be scary. So to me, this seems very predatorial. I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that's the vibe I got from this information. I think that Mildred's ex-Marine friend felt the same way as I do because he comes over and he yells at Andrew. I'm not saying yelling at anybody is right. I definitely don't recommend doing that. But he comes over and him and Andrew have words because Andrew is doing this creepy cell phone filming. Mildred's friend, he is not an elderly woman, okay? No, he's a strong man with Marine training. Soon after this, Andrew finds the uh, contact information uh, of the owner of Mildred's home that she rents and tries to get the owner to kick Mildred out. He's in communication with, with her landlord. And just like all the times he called police, this doesn't work out how he wants. The owner wants nothing to do with the feud between the neighbors. And he doesn't kick Mildred out. He doesn't get involved. He maybe he even has his own neighbor issues going on. He doesn't want anything to do with this. So Mildred, she ends up learning about this because obviously she's gonna somewhere, you know, I think this is a small community somewhere down the line. She's going to hear about this and she gets pissed off and again confronts Andrew. This is when Andrew claims Mildred threatened his family and him saying she was going to shoot his wife and, and himself. Whether or not that is true or not, you know, I, I, I can't confirm that 100%. As far as I know, that's just what Andrew claims happened. And that is why he became fearful for he and his family's safety. That's right. He is now fearful of his elderly female neighbor. Of course, things just keep getting worse after this. Mildred, she's also scared and she puts up on her windows she puts bars up over her windows she puts in her own security cameras and she even applied for her own protection order uh, to protect her from Andrew but for some reason hers was denied she never gets this protection order Mildred's cameras however they don't last long as one night they suddenly get damaged and they no longer worked uh, it appeared that someone had took an air rifle or a BB gun and shot them out. And it's not confirmed who did this to her cameras, but she's got a pretty good idea. Things are really at a boiling point now. This is a bubbling, boiling pot, and it's about to bubble over because things, they take a lethal turn. June 25th, 2020, Mildred, she's out in her yard. Andrew and his young daughter are also out in their yard. Andrew again takes out his phone and starts recording Mildred in her yard. Mildred had her hose in her hand as she was watering her plants. She was going around her yard, watering things, whatever. She looks over and there's Andrew and he's got his phone out pointing it at her and creepily recording her uh, as, as she's watering her plants so with her hose she takes it remember there's there's no more fence now that fence is gone 
Well, I shouldn't say gone. Okay, so I guess on Andrew's side of the property, there was a fence, but I think it was possibly like a chain link fence, a very low fence. It provided no privacy, but more so that was the fence that would have kept, remember they had that little chihuahua, that would have been the the fence to to keep a dog in or something. It it provided no privacy, but there was a, a, a small fence there that you could see through. And so Mildred, she's in her yard, she's watering her plants, she looks up, she sees Andrew looking at her, recording her, she obviously doesn't like this, probably makes her uncomfortable, and she sprays him with the hose. She points the hose over to to him, and it, it sprays into his yard and sprays him. Some of the water got onto his daughter, hit his, the spray of the hose, uh, hit him, hit his daughter. And this seemed to be... Andrew's breaking point this didn't go over well for him he goes in the house and he calls police again but the police they hear why he's calling and they tell him that basically being sprayed with a hose isn't considered assault and they won't be coming out to investigate the matter after Mildred had sprayed Andrew and his daughter with this hose and Andrew got mad and went inside she could sense that he was getting really worked up and really angry uh, from this hose incident. Uh, So she's scared. She calls her ex-Marine friend again. And that evening, Mildred's friend, who is 56-year-old Timothy Hansen, he arrives. And Andrew's daughter, she is outside in the yard. This nine-year-old girl is out there. And he tells her repeatedly and quite loudly, go inside and get your father uh, in, in, in so many words. I think he was like, go get your daddy or something. Andrew hears all of this happening and he said he became scared. Andrew, he's not facing an elderly woman anymore. He is facing a full grown man. Okay, so it seemed to be easy for him to get out his cell phone and film and do all this stuff to a elderly woman on her own. But now he's he's facing a man. Andrew's response to this is to get his gun which is crazy because nobody was armed but him, okay? There was no guns in the situation until Andrew went and got his gun. Andrew walks outside. He walks up to the fence. Uh, I don't believe he had any intention of of talking to Timothy or Mildred uh, because he just points his shotgun over the fence and he shoots Timothy in the head. He just walks out of his house, points the gun over the fence, and boom. Mildred is frantic and I I think she was outside at this time but maybe she was standing off to the side a little bit so she runs over and that's when Andrew shoots her the same way he he shot Timothy he shot her once in the head he exchanged no words that's what is so scary about this he just walked out with his gun didn't say anything and he just shoots and it wasn't like he shot around them or in the air no he aimed for their head and he shot them in the head timothy he's still alive though timothy is attempting to crawl away when andrew turns the gun back on timothy and this time it killed him andrew's young daughter saw the entire thing nine-year-old daughter she was still outside and watched her father shoot and kill two people Andrew then goes back inside and calls the police again, this time for the last time. When he calls 911, he tells them what he had done and police and medical are sent out, but there was nothing they could do to save 71-year-old Mildred or 56-year-old Timothy. 
38-year-old Andrew Coate is arrested and tells police he was just protecting his family. His defense doesn't hold up and he is charged with first-degree murder times two. During the trial, he stuck with the defense that he was fearful for his family and that he was protecting his nine-year-old daughter when he murdered Timothy and Mildred. What doesn't make sense to me and probably didn't make sense to the courts is that Timothy and Mildred were unarmed and there was a fence in between them. I just want to talk about Timothy Hansen for a moment. Um, Timothy, he had been in foster care from a very young age and then was eventually adopted. Those close to him believe that as a result, he was very inviting and held strong values, which included inclusivity. His daughter was quoted saying this, he didn't like for people to feel like outsiders. He was very welcoming. Timothy was from Akron, Ohio, uh, and he spent eight years in the Marines. Then later in life, he moved to Rancho Cucamundo, California, and by this time had six children. In 2009, he opened up a soul food restaurant called Timothy's with Spices. Timothy loved to cook. He seemed to thrive in this environment. Whatever he whatever he was making, he would put passion into it. He absolutely loved this. In 2011, Timothy moved to Las Vegas and him, along with a couple others that he met, uh, opened up a new restaurant called Rollin' Smoke Barbecue. Timothy's work ethic was unparalleled, according to his colleagues. People couldn't say enough good things about his work ethic, which, which I think says a lot about somebody. It wasn't just his work ethic they had amazing uh, things to say about him it was he himself his personality who he was how he worked with everybody and it seemed like people wanted to succeed with him he just gave out this energy of we can do this together we can succeed we love what we do we're passionate about what we do and let's let's take this further and he seemed to be very motivating and just an incredible human being Um, he put his heart and soul and everything else he had into it along with his commitment to excellence he seemed to have this he just seemed to thrive in this environment and, and put everything he had into it this restaurant was so successful they didn't just open one but eventually three and they also offered catering services his daughter ty was quoted in las vegas review journal saying this quote he's larger than life he made an impression to anyone who ever knew him he made you feel like the most important customer unquote so everything i read about timothy he is this uh, happy, amazing, hardworking, warm, welcoming community member. So this is Timothy Hansen. I truly believe that Andrew thought he was going to get leniency for his defense plea, for this self-defense plea, but the courts, they did not agree that what he did was in the name of protecting his family. That's very excessive. They weren't on his property and nobody was armed but him. In 2022, Andrew Cote was found guilty of both murders in the first degree. And a few months later, he was sentenced to life in prison with possibility of parole after 56 years. 
Timothy Hansen's daughter spoke at the trial. His daughter, Choice, had this to say to the man who murdered her father. Quote, you should know that I'm not forgiving you for you, but I forgive you for me so that I can live in peace, unquote. His other daughter wanted everyone to know what an amazing father they had. Ty Hansen had this to say about her father, Timothy. Quote, funny, charming, caring and strong and charismatic. Just a few words that encapsulate the man who raised me into who I am today, unquote. Lisette Botello, Mildred's daughter, also spoke, and she was quoted saying, You took a big piece of my life and my heart. Lisette and Mildred, they were very close, and she spoke about how when she now has a bad day, she will miss being able to call her mom to talk to her. Mildred also leaves behind heartbroken and devastated grandchildren as well. Andrew Cote destroyed three families in a matter of seconds. Mildred's, Timothy's, and his own. Timothy's daughter Ty was also quoted in the Las Vegas Review Journal saying that her father was such a happy person. He did have so much joy to share with others. And also, quote, it's not fair that could be taken away from others or us because we made him happy too. When you see the pictures of him standing with us, it's like the biggest smile, unquote. Timothy and Mildred will be missed by so many, so many friends, so many different family members, their children, their grandchildren. It's just, it's just such a senseless, horrible and and brutal murder. And I, I don't believe that they thought that their neighbor, Andrew, would have been capable of taking a shotgun and doing that. I don't think that they thought it was ever going to lead to that extreme situation I guess you just you just never truly know what people are capable of so I mean be safe when dealing with agitated angry neighbors because like I said there is nine seasons of fear thy neighbor and every episode is a case similar to this and they cover a lot of cases per season it's a tough situation. I would think building a six-foot wood fence would have solved the issue, but unfortunately, it didn't. I also find it very unfortunate that um, the police couldn't couldn't help more in this situation. They knew that things were getting worse. They were getting called more and more frequently, and yet there seemed to be nothing that police could do. So you know, maybe law enforcement needs to have a look at their policies when it when it comes to these situations and maybe work on something that can possibly prevent these situations from escalating. That concludes this week's episode. I will be doing a brief overview of this case on TikTok like like I usually do. Uh, and if you want to share your nightmare neighbor experiences with me, not only sharing the 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 unfortunate you know situation you've had with that neighbor but how you overcame it what you did to uh, get out of that dangerous situation please do so either in the comments on tiktok or email them to me at hellnopodcast@outlook.com. at outlook.com hell no podcast at outlook.com 
if enough people write in, maybe I can put together an episode using your stories. If it's okay for me to use it, make sure you include that in the comment or in the email. You can also find uh, the podcast on Instagram as well as TikTok at hellno underscore a true crime podcast. And again, the email for the podcast is hellnopodcast at outlook.com. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple podcast, please don't forget to leave a five star rating. It's free to do and it's the best way to help support Hellno. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.